uh, we're in the middle of this series, really kind of toward the end. We've only got a couple of weeks left of summer at South Point. And uh, let me say a welcome to everybody that's watching on Facebook. We always love it. I always love to hear the comments and uh, see the, the expression of what they're learning on Facebook. And uh, usually by the end of the month, we'll have as many people watch it uh, on Facebook as we have live. So it's uh, super exciting to see all that happening and uh, people all around the country, people that used to go to South Point and they've moved all over the world and they still watch us and uh, they're friends and I always love it too because it's about once or twice a month we'll have people that'll come to South Point and I'll say, well, how'd you hear about us? And they say, well, we've been watching online for a month or six months or a year, just checking it out, decided it was time to come meet everybody and, and uh, check out the church. So we love it. I'm glad that you're here today. Get to experience it live yourself. So turn to your neighbor, give them a fist bump, say, are you ready for this? All right, y'all are beginning to see how important it is to have neighbors, right? We, we, we interact with our neighbors at South Point. We, uh, we also handed out some orange bulletins on your way in. If you have one of those, there's some notes in there. I would encourage you to take notes. Even if you're not a note taker, try it today. See what you think. You, who knows, you may, uh, you may really like it, may uh, help you remember some things. That's the reason that we do it at South Point is because it helps me remember things. If I don't write things down, I'm the in one ear and out the other ear kind of guy. But if I can write it down, it'll help it get stuck for a while, all right? Today, we're in the middle of this series, Summer at South Point, which is our, our theme all summer has been this. No matter what the subject is, no matter what the topic, the theme is to help us learn to listen to God's Spirit better. Learn to listen to the Spirit better in our lives. It, it's super important because God's Spirit wants to lead us in everything that we do. He wants to lead us to the best. He wants to lead us in our careers, in our thoughts, in our hobbies, in our families, in our finances, in our free time. He wants to lead us in every area of our life. And if you believe that the Holy Spirit's in you, which God says every believer has the Holy Spirit in them, leading them. You know, isn't that funny? The, the world has the Holy Spirit too. He's just on the outside of them. He's just trying to nudge them, trying to get them to Christ. But when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's guiding you. He's, he's helping you along the way to be the best, to be who God designed you to be. And that's what this entire series has been about. And today's not going to be any different because we're going to talk about standing up, standing up to culture, standing up to the non-believers of the world. Not in a bad way. I'm going to read you a scripture to kind of set the foundation of that. But how many of you know if you, if you don't already know what you believe, if you're not standing up for what you believe, that culture will give you something to believe. Isn't that the truth? It, it will lead you in its own way. If you're not listening to the Holy Spirit guide you in life, culture will guide you in life. If you're not developing what the truth is in your world, in your life, in your faith, culture will give you what their truth is at any given moment. So it's important for us. Let me, let me set the foundation, though, by reading you a scripture out of 1 Corinthians 16. See what this says about standing firm in your culture, all right? It says this, be on guard, stand firm in your faith, be courageous, be strong, and here's the guideline, do everything in love. Do you know that you can stand firm in your faith? Like, you can stand firm, not moving in your faith, and you can do it in love, you know, you can be courageous against culture, and you can do it in love. I'm already preaching, and I'm preaching about 62.5% better than y'all are shouting this morning, all right? Isn't it the truth that culture, in the middle of culture, that you can stand up 
You can stand firm. You can be courageous. You can be on your guard and all of that at school, at work, in your home, with your buddies out on Friday night, whatever that is. And you can do every bit of that in love. Amen? And can I, can I just throw one out there? This is a little bonus. You ought to write this one down. But even if, I'll just bet you this. There are more people that are changed because you do everything in love than you do everything in anger. Then you do everything being, I'm standing firm by golly, and that's how I'm going to do it. Calling out their sin, calling out their mistakes. Let's just let somebody else do that, and we're going to do everything that we do in love. Amen? You ever wonder why Jesus gave the example of, let, let's, let me just sum up the entire Bible in Matthew 22, and he said, this is how you do it. You love God, and you love people. That, that's how we're going to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ. Amen? I, I think it, it's, uh, that's exactly what he wants. And, and when I talk about culture, what, really what I'm talking about is kind of the pressure that culture puts on us. And it may be anywhere, may, from, from both ends of the spectrum, maybe you go out to eat today, a little Mexican food, a little barbecue or something like that, and maybe you feel that pressure like, man, I just came from church, I, I need to pray over this, you know, but I don't want to be awkward. And heaven forbid you, you're in a group of people and you're with that loud prayer. You ever been with a loud prayer? You're like, listen, I'm cool with praying, but can we just keep it down so you don't have to pray for the whole restaurant? My grandpa's cousin who led him to the Lord 50 years ago or more, my grandpa's cousin was one of the soul winningest people. He shared his faith more than just about anybody I ever knew. And he had been sharing his faith with the guy that lived across the street. That guy came to church. He was a younger guy in his 20s when, when um, my grandpa's cousin, L was his name, E-L, L was his name, and, and L had invited him to go to church. The guy ended up coming to church for about a month. Toward the end of that month, he gave his life to Christ. L was super excited like he was with everybody else. And L said, you know what? We're going out to eat. I'm taking you out to eat today. I'm so excited that you gave your life to Christ. He, you know, he raised his hand in service. He prayed, man. He was crying. Like there was, there was some visible signs. Like this dude's legit. He's real. So as L always did, he took him to El Placio in Duncan, the Mexican food restaurant. You know, that's where they would go to celebrate their salvation. And that's what he would tell us. So L took his friend there, and in the middle of it, they sit down, and he's got some of his friends, and L's got his family, and they're sitting at a table of like seven or eight people. And he, when they, they get their food, and L looks at him and says, you know, since you got saved today, do you want to you give thanks for this food? And he said, you know what, L? A while ago at church is the first time I've prayed in 20-something years. He said, I think it'd be great if I gave thanks. And he said, all right. So everybody at the table kind of bowed their bowed their uh, eyes, and then the, the next thing you hear is kind of a, hey, if I could get everybody's attention, please. And Elle said, my eyes came open. I'm like, what's going on? And he had his knife, and he was banging it on the table in the restaurant, completely full Sunday after service. And he said, hey, everyone, I've been a sinner my whole life. And Elle just thought, oh, that's what you get. And he said, I've been a sinner my whole life, and this is my neighbor across the street, L. Merritt, and L. has been sharing gospel with me, and today I went to his church, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm going to give thanks for all of y'all's food today. Will y'all pray with me? How would you like to go to the restaurant with that guy? 
And El said from that point on, and he was in his 60s when that happened. He said from that point on, I just prayed. <laughs> he said, I like praying over the meal, and I was going to give him a chance, but I don't want the guy standing up and drawing all that attention to me. It embarrasses me. So what, whatever your slant is, sometimes it's the negative in culture, but sometimes it's also the, okay, where am I at spiritually in culture? Today, today, what I hope to do is share this story with you. Probably most of you have heard the story in one way or another. Um, we've actually, this will be the second one from the book of Daniel we've shared uh, in this series because it's exactly what we're trying to teach, teaching us to follow God's spirit. God's word being in us, the Holy Spirit will use God's word, connect the dots to what's going on in life, what's true, what's real, the direction we should go. Pastor Michael shared about Daniel in the lion's den a couple of weeks ago when he preached. And today, I'm going to share one of the other famous stories in the book of Daniel about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anybody ever heard that story before? You ever heard that? Maybe you watch Veggie Tales and you're more familiar with Rackshack and Benny. I like Rackshack and Benny. I love all those fancy tales. Well, they did the ducky, you know, about David stealing the duck from the other. That's one of my favorite ones ever. Y'all go watch that today on YouTube. But I, I want to I share this with you, and I'm going to start in Daniel chapter 3, just one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible, and I'm going to start reading you this story. Let's, let's jump in here, and I want to point out, as I read this, I want you to look at how many times throughout this first passage, how many times throughout the first passage the word image is in there? Because so many times in culture, what we will get pressured with is not just blatant sin, right? Satan knows that we're, we're trying to be believers, trying to follow Christ. We're trying to listen to the Holy Spirit better in our lives, right? So the blatant sin, the big stuff, we're just going to ignore. But what he, if he can get us to follow an image... Somebody ought to say preach it, Pastor. But if he can get us to follow some images in our life visually, be hooked on something then he can draw us away from where the Holy Spirit's leading us. So listen, listen to this. It says this, King Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody say, King Nebi. All right, here we go. King Nebi made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 60 cubits, or six cubits wide. That'd be 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. That's big. That's a big image. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrate, anybody that was anybody at City Hall, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, perfects, or prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. So here you go. You don't just have the village or the friends. You've you got everybody in the kingdom, all the officials, the governors from the surrounding territories, the sheriffs, the judges, everybody that's anybody. They're there because King Nebuchadnezzar has something he wants to present. He's going to influence culture a little bit with what he does here. Let, let's keep reading. Verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blaze. Oh, I skipped a verse, didn't I? Skipped a couple of verses, I'm sorry. Verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed nations and people of every language. This is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre. Everybody say zither. That's good, isn't it? Don't you just like saying that? That's a good Sunday morning word, zither. Just walk into work tomorrow and say, hey, have y'all ever played a zither? Me neither. All right. 
lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now verse 6. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And this is exactly the way it is in culture. Whoever is in charge, whoever has the authority, whoever has the influence, whatever that area may be, they decide this is what's cool. This is the way culture needs to go. This is the way we need to go. And in what, what's happening here is that King Nebuchadnezzar has created an image of himself, and he's wanting everybody to bow down. If you don't, you, you heard what it said, you go into the flaming furnace. And so he's putting the pressure from culture on everybody that lives in the kingdom. But what we're going to see is there are some believers in this culture, and they're going to teach us. They're going to show us just by their example. They're going to show us how to stand up for what we believe in. They're going to show us how to stand firm for what, they, what we believe in, and we're going to follow their example. So let's keep reading in verse 12. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty, they neither serve your gods nor the image of gold you have set up. Isn't that exactly, in fact, I was, I was visiting with one of our men in the lobby before this, before the message today. Isn't this the way our culture is trying to lean right now? Like, if you don't believe exactly the way I believe, then we don't just disagree, but we, we hate each other now. There's got to be supreme hatred and disagreement and discourse. And even to the point, you know, I don't hardly watch any network news anymore. In years I haven't. But even to the point that you see like on social media and stuff that it brings out violence in people just because we agree, disagree on something. Listen, if I give you a word of advice, me and my wife don't agree on everything together. Some days not most things, right? But you have to learn to get along in spite of disagreeing. But these guys, they're doing exactly what culture tries to do. They're trying to bring division between Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the king. They're bringing it to his attention. I want you to see, king, that these guys are not legit. They're not doing what you are doing. And let's look, look at how King Nebuchadnezzar responds. Verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image I have set up? And let me just say, it, this is another step. There's always a, a pressure in culture. I need to know what you believe. I, I need to know what you think about this. I need to know where you're going in this direction. I need to know how you're going to approach people in our company, what you're going to talk about? Like, so what is it that you believe? What is it that you believe? And that's what the king has called him there. He said, is this true, what I hear? And they had a choice right there. I mean, many of us in this room have been in this position at one time or another. You have a choice. I can either tell the truth about what I believe, or I can go with culture. I can go with the pressure. And I think that the result of both of those two different lanes is very different. And we get to see what happens with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's keep reading. The king says, I'll give you one 
more chance. When the music plays, if you fall down and worship the statue, all will be well. But if you refuse, everybody say pressure. You see what he's doing? He's turning up the pressure. If you refuse, I just want to show you what's going to happen. I want to tell you what's going to happen. You will be thrown into the flaming furnace within the hour, and what God can deliver you out of my hands then? Let me just tell you, that's getting a little cocky. You ever been around somebody like that, that they're saying some things about God, and you kind of just want to back up a little bit and go, all right, Lord, handle him. Oh, that's just me, huh? Y'all make me feel like the bad Christian, right? No, there, there are people like that where, where, where they begin to talk about God like, what God can save you from me? I, I'm fixing to fire your tail, and you're going to leave this company. You think God's going to provide you a check? Yeah, they get one amen out of that one. Yeah, I, I've been told that before. And it, it, it makes you check what you believe. Where are you, where are you going to give in to? Am I going to give in to what I believe in my faith? And who I trust in, or am I going to give in to Nebuchadnezzar, to this person putting the pressure on me? It gets, it, gets, it gets good. But if you refuse, you will be thrown into the flaming furnace within the hour, and what God can deliver you from my hands. Let me tell you, they show us some things that we need to do, and I, I want to give you a couple of those right now. The first one is this, that standing firm, first and foremost, takes courage. You heard it in 1 Corinthians 16 when we read it. Be on your guard, stand firm, and be courageous. Listen, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit leading you in life, producing courage in you to be able to stand up to things like this in your life. Amen? Am I the only one that when I'm faced with something like this, I go, Lord, I have to have your strength to do this. I want to go the way of the boss. I want to go the way of culture sometimes just to, to no more hassle, no more conflict. I don't want that in my life. But sometimes in life, it is important. Christians, can I tell you something? It's important for us to stand in our faith. It's important for us to stand up for what we believe in. All right, I'm glad a couple of you are on there with me. It's important for us to stand all through Scripture, especially the New Testament, but many times in the Old Testament, especially through the New Testament, it'll say, stand for what you believe in. Stand firm then. Stand and give an account. Stand and show love. Stand and say nothing. Sometimes it's just standing on your principles of what you believe is true. Standing firm takes courage. Listen to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. That's the next verse. He just said in front of everybody in the kingdom, listen, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, if you don't forsake your God and kneel to my image, I'm going to throw you in the flaming furnace. I'm going to throw you in this furnace. And you you ever seen somebody get thrown in a furnace? It's not a pretty sight. It's going to be bad. Is that what you want? And what they come back is, and I'm going to expound on this a little bit, but I want you to see, they come back with courage. And the reason I know that is because I bet you everything that I owned that they knew Nebuchadnezzar was not bluffing. How many would agree that Nebi was not bluffing? He, He was going to carry out what he said. And they said, King, we're not worried about that. Can I just tell you something? And this is a quote I heard years ago, but courage is not the absence of fear. Did you know that? Courage is not the absence of fear. Matter of fact, if if you don't have fear and you step out and do things, most of the time they call those people victims. You get hurt or injured or you're a statistic. But 
courage is having fear, understanding what could happen, but in spite of fear, standing firm anyways. Amen? That, that's what courage is, is overcoming the fear, stepping past the fear. Man, there's many things in my, anything to do with height, anything to do with over about 12 feet in the air, it takes courage for Scott Morris to do. And I, I will do it years ago. I remember we had a, a, the church that I was at on the north side, we had a, a two-story lobby, had an elevator column that went all the way up, and it was my job to take the banner that we had and take it all the way to the top and put up curtain rods to hold it, this big, long curtain rod, and let that thing come all the way to the ground. And can I tell you, they, they all made me do it. But you know why? Yeah, because I was scared. Of, I'm scared of heights, nervous. And I said, you know what? I, I can do it mentally. I'll do it. I'm just going to get in. I get in the lift, this giant 412-foot lift. And we go up. And I listened to about nine songs on the way up. It was just all, it just went forever. And I'm up there. And if you've ever been on a scissor lift, you know, about, I don't know, it's about 35, 40 feet. Anytime you do this, it just goes like that. It moves with you. It's all, and my mind's going, this thing is all steel. Why is it moving like this? It's not supposed to move. My mind's going 1,000 miles an hour. You know, we put the little runners out so it doesn't tip over. And, all, and I'm holding onto the rail, and I'm finding the drill. Where's the drill? Okay, I got that, and I'm drilling the holes, and then I switch this side, and I put the little anchors in, and they're just down, they're laughing. They're throwing rows of toilet paper up at me. Godly peer pressure. You know how it is. Friendship. Uh, you only have to, to find out who your friends are, just tell them one of your fears. And the people that make fun of you, those are usually your friends, right? Isn't that how it works? And then and finally, uh, it was taking me so long to do it, the pastor came in, Pastor Rodney, who we have a great relationship, and he was like, what are you doing? And he's making fun of me. He was like, come down, I'll do it. I can do the whole thing in five minutes. You don't have to tell me twice. I hit the down button, here I come. I went all the way down. I gave him the curtain rod. It's about 10 foot across, you know, 10 foot tall, goes across. He gets in there and pushes the button and goes all the way up, and he's just looking at me the whole time. Just going up, going up. But what Rodney forgot in all of his cockiness, in case you're watching Rodney, what Rodney forgot is that the ceiling was, you're going to get real close to the ceiling, about eight foot from the ceiling. The rod that you're holding is about 10 foot tall. He's just going up, and the curtain rod goes right through the roof. I just go back to my office. Y'all can handle that. There's all kinds of pressure in this world. All kinds of pressure in the world. I can can jump into it and overcome it with courage. In my mind, I I wasn't saying I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about a thousand things on that lift. But can I tell you that when Shadrach, Meshach, and and I hate to, I don't want to correct scripture. I don't want to get there. But when they said, hey, we're not worried about anything. It may not have been the same way you and I worry about it. Maybe they understood. Hey, we're already slaves. They're Jewish children in a Babylonian empire. They're already Jewish slaves in a Babylonian empire. What what do we have to lose? We're we're above everything on this planet. I'm going to stay faithful to God. I'm not worried about what you can do to me. Is it going to hurt? Yes, I'm not worried about it. Do I want it? No, I don't want it. I would avoid it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let the courage that the Holy Spirit is fanning in my life. I'm going to let it overcome the facts that you're talking about, and I'm going to let it build up to my faith that I believe in. Amen? 
My, my courage is going to overcome the statistics. It's going to overcome the facts. There'll be times in our lives, church, that the statistics and the facts are overwhelming. And the only thing we have to trust in is my faith. And if, and if King Nebuchadnezzar maybe had had a little clue, he would have said, well, what are you talking about? I've already overcome Israel. I've already defeated Israel. I've already captured all the Jews. That You're all our slaves. Yeah, I understand that. Well, you're already in a bad situation. God didn't show up for that. What are you expecting him to show up for this? Woo, I'm getting deep now, aren't I? But that, in spite of the fear, is where courage steps in and answers in faith. King, we're not worried about that. Let's, let's keep reading because it gets so good. Well, let me, let me tell you this. this. The second one is that standing firm, when you're going to stand firm at school, in our jobs, in our family, it's going to take faith. Can I tell you that? that and the reason I say that, it's not just going to take it's not just going to take courage for you to overcome something. It's going to take actually what you believe in. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is for you? Yes. Do, you do you sing the songs on Sunday morning and believe every word of the songs? Now, the songs aren't scripture. That's somebody else's. But when I, I, was, I came in this morning, walked in that, that back as I do almost every Sunday morning with the last couple of songs while they're practicing because I like, I like to come in here and there's nobody else in here but the sound people, the band, and me. And I stand back in the shadows and I can worship a little bit just being me. I love that. I came in this morning and it was right on the part of that last song and I can't even tell you what it is now but it's something about when I was your, when I was your foe, you gave your life for me. And maybe once a year this happens but I walked in this morning and I sang that first verse and I just started bawling. I'm like, that's the facts right there. That, that, and maybe it's because of the message that we're talking about today and standing for what we believe in. But, you know, in spite of what culture feeds us and the pressure that comes from our jobs or our schools or our students or our bosses or our coworkers or whatever it is, it will take faith in who you believe in. Why do you say you're not worried about the outcome? Is it because you got a big savings account or is it because it trusts in God? Amen. That's what makes the difference. That's what, when they go to heating up the furnace in a minute, that's what makes the difference between them going, okay, not just kidding, going to a knee. No, that's not what I believe in. It takes faith. Faith, I understand. God is for me. Even when I make mistakes and I'm sinning and I'm running from God, guess what? Guess what? God still loves me enough that he died for me in my sin, in my mistakes. The Bible says that when we are unfaithful, he will always be faithful because I love the last part because he can't be unfaithful it's not in his wiring God's not made that way however God's made he's not made where he can be unfaithful God will always no matter how we respond he will be faithful to us that's what I believe in that's the faith that it takes to stand firm Ask yourself today, in, during this message, let, let the Holy Spirit lead you. What is your faith? What do you really believe in? What do you trust in? What do you hope for this week, this month? What do you, what do you believe in to the point that you're leading your family with it? That you're letting it guide you in your business? What is the, the faith that you have? Daniel 3.17 says this, if we're thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. Can I get an amen on that? And he will deliver us out of your hand. Stop there for just a second. This is such an amazing, amazing, this is so real. 
We believe our God is able. And we believe he will. Okay, that's one sentence, right? Let, look at the very next sentence. Listen to what comes out of the mouth, your majesty. But if he doesn't, hold on a second. What's going on here? They just said he's able and he will deliver us, right? But then how can you say if he doesn't? <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, I'm confused. Yeah. What they're doing is they are practicing their faith in spite of their doubts. Every one of us. In fact, in Scripture, Jesus said, hey, if you believe, all things are possible. And the man looked back at Jesus and he said, Lord, you know I believe. Like, because he gets it. You know everything. But help my unbelief. Help, help the areas in me that doubt. Lord, I'm saying right now, you're able and you're going to do this. You're going to help me through this thing. But let me just say, in the same breath, the same flip of the coin, there may be a little doubt in me. And if you don't, if you don't, I'm going to respond correctly. Listen to how it goes on. Please understand. It says, but if, you, but if he doesn't, please understand, sir. Remember, in love, right? That was in 1 Corinthians that we read that. This is all the way back in Daniel, a couple of thousand years before. In love, that even, or, that even then we will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have erected. I want you to understand, I believe that God is totally able to fix everything in my life right now. That's what they're saying. I'm not afraid of this. I'm not worried about this. Do you understand you could go through pain? Sure. We're not worried about that. Do you understand that you're going to die? Yeah. It's going to be a rough death. Yes. Nobody's going to believe in you. All of these things, we understand that. I'm not worried about that. We have faith. We have courage that God is going to save us, that God is able to, and he's going to do that. What if it had stopped right there? That would have been a great verse but it goes on with reality for you and me to help us through the times when we believe, totally believe, when we're expecting God to move. And God's wanting to say, what if I don't? You know what, Lord? We're never going to bow. We're never going to give in to culture. We're going to stand firm in our faith no matter what happens. Amen? That, that's The Holy Spirit will lead you when you get to those places in your life and, and you need courage. That's what the Holy Spirit's for, is to give you courage. When you get to those places in your life and you start questioning, what do I really believe in? I mean, what if this guy is so powerful? What if he does fire me and my family goes broken? Hold on, who do you trust in? That's where it's checking what we really believe. It's saying firm in our faith then. Throughout Scripture, people have gone through the exact same things we go through. It may not have the same name as us. The situation may not have the same name as us. The exact same circumstances. And that's why I encourage you, church, encourage you, I implore you, read God's word. You'll read stories. I've read stories a hundred times and go, okay, that's a good story. And then I'll read it, and for some reason, that's what I'm going through. And God connects the supernatural dots to that's what I needed, Lord. That's the Holy Spirit inside of me bringing life to me like you say that your word is alive and active it's sharper than anything it gives me strength from within it gives me courage and reminds me of what I really believe in we need that at every age we need that in every situation we need that in every circumstance Daniel 19 or chapter 3 verse 19 says this I need to step on I'm wasting all my time preaching Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. 
Then he ordered some of the strongest men in the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. So he tied them up, threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, or securely tied, fell into the flaming or the roaring flames. What if that was the end of the story? What if that was it right there? Hey, they stood for the faith. Still great, right? I mean, they stood for their faith. They threw them into the fire. Next book. Next chapter. Aren't you glad there's more to the chapter? God didn't leave us with that and going, hey, take their courage, take their faith. But he gave us an example of what can happen. He keeps going and says this. Verse 24, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? I just want to give you a warning. This is the preach warning right here, all right? I'm fixing to preach. So y'all get your voices ready, your hands get ready, all right? Y'all ready? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Is that not exactly why we stand in courage? Is that not exactly why we stand in our faith? I understand that God can and he is able and I'm expecting him to. And I also understand that he may not. But you know what? Every day of my life, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to stand firm because I have stories like this. I have story. I understand sometimes they pass away in the flames. I understand that. But you know what? I also understand that God shows up sometimes visibly with us. They call that a theophany. In Bible school, you learn that that's a theophany. That's when God takes human form. That when, when God takes a form that you understand, that you can see. And here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't whining. They weren't crying. They said, we understand. Throw us in the fire, but we're not going to bow. And while they're in the fire, while they're in the test, everybody say, while they're in the fire. Hmm. You need to underline that part right there. So many times we pray against the fire, but while they're in the fire, standing firm, that's when Jesus showed up, walking with them. And here's what, oh, so good. We talk about the pressures of culture and all the stuff that we deal with. The reason we're talking about this story today is because of culture and what it tries to drag it. You know, we're at the golf course, it tries to drag us away. We're at work, it tries to drag us away. We're at home, it tries to drag us away. It's always the pressure that's there. But listen to the rest of this story. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Is it just me or did Nebuchadnezzar do a little about face there? <laughs> what God's going to save you from me? Hey, servants of the Most High God, how y'all doing in there? You know, he just, two minutes, here he goes. Come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the officers, officials, governors, advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads were, were singed, and their clothing, clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. Can I tell you something, church? Right here, right now, you mark it down. This story right here shows us that when we stand in our courage and stand in what we believe in, you may still have to go through the fire. But if you will stand for God, God can bring you through every pressure of culture, every pressure in school, kids, every pressure in junior high and high school and college. He can bring you through that. He can bring you through every pressure at work. He can 
can bring you pressures through dating. He can bring you pressures through everything you face in this life. And you won't smell like culture. You won't be burned by culture. And he'll be standing by your side. That is good stuff right there. Jesus says, stand firm then. Stand firm then. Let's finish this out. The third point is this. Standing firm inspires others. Look what it did to King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 28. Then Nebi said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and rescued his servants. I think Nebi got saved right here, verse 28. That's good stuff. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and they were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their house be turned into piles of rubble. Now, he was saved, but he wasn't sanctified yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if, you, if you're not a Christian, we're going to cut you into pieces and feed you to the fish, you know. Dial it down, Nebby. You keep going overboard. You know, like crank it up. Kill the kill the soldiers. You know, like no, no, let's chill, relax. He may have some anger issues. Therefore, I decree. Oh no, he already said that. The rubble for no other god can save in this way. Listen, Nebby had put his faith in a bunch of other things: wealth, authority, armies, violence, and he is admitting right here. Listen, I've seen a lot of stuff, but I. Didn't, ever seen anybody saved this way. This God, he saves in a way that nobody else can. I, I want you to understand that right now. God saves. God is with you. God protects you. God guides you in a way that nothing else can. That's why he says stand firm in your faith. It's our only hope. We're going to finish it out right here. Then the king promoted, not demoted, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the promise of Babylon. The last and final point is this. Stand firm for your faith in Jesus. Stand firm in your courage. It takes courage. Standing firm takes faith, knowing what you believe in, why I'm going to stand firm. And Jesus said, if you'll stand up for me, I'll stand up for you. I'm going to finish with uh, a story I may have told years ago as our band comes out that um, I was a pretty new Christian. Jenny and I were just dating. And, and, and the reason I tell this old story, it's an old story, because it, it set a path in my young faith that has helped me through the rest of my life. When I was young as a Christian, just a new believer. And I was working for a, a furniture store in Clinton while I was going to college. And a, a friend of mine was delivering furniture there in college. And so I, he got me a job. I became a salesman there. And I was Everybody else was family except me. I was the only non-family member that was a salesman selling furniture and appliances. You know, it's kind of like a little mini Mathis Brothers thing. And uh, I had a desk calendar. And I would, being a new Christian, I was writing my scriptures on my desk calendar and trying to memorize about a scripture a week or every couple of weeks trying to memorize that. And um, the owner, I won't say his name, but the owner of the, the furniture store was an atheist. And he wasn't a, oh, let's do good things for people and still have good morals atheist. He was a staunch, I hate God and everybody associated with God atheist kind of person. Well, he came in to visit with me. It had been, I don't know, 90 days or something like that when you kind of get a re revision or review, employee review. And, and uh, he said, hey, what, what is that right there? Knowing what it was. But he said, what's that on your desk calendar sitting in my office? I said, well, I called his name. I said, uh, I, uh, I, 
few months ago, I gave my life to Christ, and uh, I'm really trying to follow his ways, and I'm just trying to memorize some scripture. I just use this. And he goes, well, when people come in here to sign stuff, sign contracts or payment plans or whatever, they get to see that junk, and I don't want that on your desk anymore. I said, well, uh, okay, that, I mean, that's a, a part of who I am. I've kind of thrown for a loop, you know, like, what do I do? And he said, uh, in fact, if, if, if you either decide today, no more of that, or it's your job. I'm like, well, that review didn't go well. So he gets up and leaves, and I'm kind of in shock. I'm like, oh, my goodness, all right. And so one of the brothers, he went and informed one of the other family members. They came in. They talked to me. Uh, Kurt was the, the my boss's name. He came in and talked to me. said, hey, you can't do that. And I said, well, Kurt, here's the problem, man. He's making me choose. Like, I, I, like if he would have asked kindly, hey, would you mind or something? It may have been different. It may, but... He's so against God. I don't want any of that junk and some other words that he was saying. I don't want any of that in here. Well, now you're making me make a choice. You're making me decide. And so um, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to stop doing that. I'm, I'm going to keep putting it on my desk counter. I'll make it small, but I'm going to keep putting it up there because I want to learn God's word. And, and now I feel like it's like it's a spiritual thing. I don't, I don't even know if that was right. It's just the way God was leading me or I was leading me, however that works. He said, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me talk to you later today. This was like at nine, in the, nine or 10 in the morning. Let me, let me talk to you this afternoon and we'll decide. So about 5.30 or 6, Jenny had pulled up. We were dating at the time. She pulled up out front to pick me up. We were going to go do something. And I came out and said, hold on, I got to have this meeting because I'd called her and told her what was fixing to happen. I said, well, I got to have this meeting. And uh, Kurt said, come over here. We turn off the lights, lock the doors. And we sat down at a couple of big recliners. And he said, uh, he said, man, Scott, you're a good employee. You can sell the fire out of stuff. You know, you can sell ice to an Eskimo. Uh, that's a, I, I want you to stay here. I, I want you to grow in this company. And who knows what you'll do after call it. All this just flattery, flattery, all this kind of stuff. And he said, I really, is it that big of a deal just to not put scriptures on your desk calendar? Man, just do that. And, or, we'll, or the boss will be fine and we'll go on and uh, grow the company and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to do that, are you? man, I, I can't, Kurt. It's, it's not personal to him or to you, um, but it is very personal to me. It, it, God has done some things in my life. Y'all have seen, because they knew me for, they've known me for years. They, you saw what God has done in the last few months. And I said, so I'm going to take a stand and do that. And he said, okay. And he reached behind the recliner and grabbed a box. And he said, if you'll go clear out your office, uh, the bookkeeper's got your check ready. Wow. So this morning I came in with a job and future and paying my rent and all that. And I'm walking out of here. The only job still to this day that I was ever fired from. Only job. And it was my choice. And that, and I've questioned that the first maybe two years after that. I questioned, like, should I have done that? Was that just being a, like a new Christian twerp? You know, was that just like standing for something? Like what? And it, since then, I've understood that that was a huge principle for, for my faith. Don't, don't bend when culture presses back. You press back. Don't, don't do it in meanness and anger. Just say, no, this is who I am. It's a frazzling desk calendar. Chill. Nebby, you don't have to crank up the furnace and kill me over it. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to cut them to pieces and demolish my house. It's a desk calendar. But since you drew the line, let me just say, I'm not worried about what you're going to do. We're, we're going to stand for what we believe in. We're going to take the consequences and go on. Now, God didn't show up and go, Ooh, I'm running the furniture store because y'all got on Scott. No, he didn't ever say that. I've, I've prayed that a couple of times, but never. 
you know what's what's really cool about that that pastor kyle actually went to church with the guy that let me go that day with his son who when i left was about this big and now he's about this big and a couple of months ago we were needing a guitar player kyle made a phone call i came walking on sunday morning and michael is standing on stage no idea the memories that brought up what standing that brought up and here i am standing no hard feelings no nothing bad and look at that kid in the face and think that was exactly the right decision super cool that even though grandpa is a staunch atheist here grandson is serving christ 25 years later got to stand for something I didn't have any part in Michael coming to Christ, but it's amazing what God can do in spite of the king's rules. Amen. Would you do something with me today? We're going to, if you will, let's, we're going to go ahead and kill the lights. If you will stand with me, I went, I went long, but we're still going to do our last song. And I just want to encourage you today. We're we're standing physically. We're going to worship God in this last song. I love this song, but will you just, Whatever you're feeling on the inside, will you put it on the outside today? You know, sometimes we stand up on the inside and we don't quite stand up on the outside. Well, maybe you've never raised your hands. Maybe you've never sung out loud. Maybe you've never clapped or whatever that would be. Today, I want to encourage you. You're free to do that in here. Practice in here. Practice being courageous and bold. Practice standing in here. During this last song, I just want to encourage you. Go after God. I want to pray for you. Whatever you're going through, I felt like this message today is exactly what some of us need because it's what I need. It's what God's speaking to me. And then we're going to worship. Jesus, we love you. I'm amazed how true your word is. I mean, Daniel's a thousand years before you came. And yet it seems like that could be a story that was in the news this week. Maybe not the furnace, but for sure the pressure. Lord, I pray that As we, everyone in this room, we faced struggles of bending and bowing in this world, that you would help us to be a stand-up kind of believer. That you would help us stand up for our faith, what we really believe in. Help us to hold fast to what you've done in our lives and never move away from that. Lord, I pray that your spirit would lead us, would encourage us, would confirm in us that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by God. We love you, Lord. We honor you now in song. In your name we pray. Amen.